Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Driving. Donovan, right hand scoop and a score. The level of difficulty is a 9.7, and the ease is as just absolutely looks as easy as possible. Right corner, Royce resets Bogdanovich, gives over to Donovan. Deep three, perfect. Man, he is just incredible right now. Clarkson, left side, Conley rotates to Niang. Say it with me. Open up the slidey door, throw the triplets in the minivan. George Niang buries a three. Okay, that, that's just way too long. If you're going to have where you want them to repeat it, it's got to be much smaller. Open up the minivan, slide, minivan, slide in the kids, and let's drive to work and go to Costco. I mean, what was that? Who could possibly remember all that? Well, you didn't write it there, so we'll, we'll just leave it alone. And degree of difficulty, 9.7, says who? Is there, does, he, does Locke have a manual right in front of him that says, okay, if you do this, you do that, you do that, and it equals a degree of difficulty of 9.7? This hyperbole is getting out of control, young Yak, and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. We'll just blame it on the Russian judge. <laughs> I thought it was the French. Whatever, French, <laughs> Russian, they all screw it up. Yeah, oh man, DJ's gone. I mean, man, for four years he hammered the Russian thing in my ear and in your ear, left and right. True. And he's off today, but fortunately we don't have to hear about those corrupt Russian people. You know, geez, he just went nuts on that till he finally got his way, if you know what I mean. Speaking of getting his way and their way, the Jazz just roll over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mark Price ain't walking through that door. Larry Nance Sr., is not walking through that door. Craig Elo. Craig Elo. So I had a friend, since this is story time now, since, you know, DJ's not here to interrupt me, I get to say what I want. Uh, ooh, don't think I ever forgot the soccer manifesto when he said that. We didn't. When, and I was listening when he just slapped me down like that. Boy, that hurt. That hurt, I got to admit. Uh, I had a friend who played college basketball for George Raveling. And everything that George would reference about a great player and whatnot, it would always go back to when he coached Craig Elo at Washington State. And my friend never met Craig Elo, but came to hate Craig Elo because George Raveling would always talk about Craig Elo. You know, that's like I had a neighbor in the first house I lived in in Sandy. The guy can uh, confess to me that he got sick of hearing about me because his wife said he didn't like the way she didn't like the way he cut the yard, and she said, "Why can't you cut the yard the way Kinahan cuts it next door?" <laughs> and, and it really just—he told me, man, he got sick of it, so he hated the way I cut the yard because I went at an angle, you know, tried to make it fancy. So there you go. The Jazz—I mean, they—they they cut the yard very easily. Cleveland put up a little resistance, and they roll. They just absolutely just annihilate him by what? What's twenty-five and fourteen? Help me out, and that's what I can come Maybe to. Thirty-nine the, points. Thirty-nine points. Yeah. The thing that I like about in the last couple of ball games, really the last three, that's all I can remember. It might be longer than that. That's where I need DJ. He's got the nerd memory to come in and say, last three at least they have not. Uh, they've eliminated the slow starts, and I think that's good. Obviously, that's good. It's not brain surgery here to figure that one out for sure by any stretch. You know, the first game against Memphis, Memphis came back. But still, Jazz came out out of the gates quick, and that had been a little bit of a problem. And then it wasn't a problem in the two Memphis games, and obviously wasn't it a problem against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I realize that's a, that's a bad Cleveland team for sure. So, But the good thing is they're 35-11. and 11. What is that? Have they won one, how many have they won at home? 20 now? Is that what it is? 20 home wins, yes. And does that tie the record or set the record? I mean, that's, that I'm not sure on. I'm sure it's right around it, though. Text DJ. He would know. I know. We'll text him right now. He should be putting out some fairly controversial tweet right about now. Uh, so there you go. They got the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. Talk about the Jazz a little bit, obviously, rest of the morning. Mike Smith, 
who does the pre-half and post-game analysis for the Jazz Station, AT&T. He'll be joining us in about two hours to give us his perspective. He's been around this league for a long time as a player and a broadcaster. See what he has to say. So stay with us for that right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NBA. Left corner to Brown, working along the baseline, draws a crowd, out to Harden. Three straight on, is good for James Harden. He's got 36, and Minnesota wants a timeout. Porzingis around Roby, all the way to the rim, and then passed it back out to Kleba, touched to Finney Smith, drives on Roby again, and up top for Porzingis, and he spikes it through in the left hand. Draymond Green with it, driving down the left side of the lane, kicks it back to Stephen Curry, right wing triple, yes sir, six three-pointers and counting for Stephen Curry. He's got 30. Up and under, move. But the right elbow, in and out, no, oh, another follow. It's Kawhi Leonard up high for another tip slam. <laughs> DJ texted, French judge, carry on, PK. <laughs> he is listening. Hi, DJ. <laughs> See, I miss that. I, he is my guy. I got to have that because he has detail. He's a detailed guy. <laughs> and, I, and I don't have the detail that he has. <laughs> And so that's why we work, <laughs> because he has detail. He remembers stuff. He's way, way better at it than I am. And he can just recall it as if he's looking at it. Just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> uh, funny guy. So that was the uh, NBA last night, some of the highlights. I think the biggest game here, as far as we, we care about from the Jazz perspective, is the Clippers blew out Milwaukee 129-105. to uh, Kawhi Leonard, 23, nine boards and eight assists. He's a great player. Uh, game was on NBA TV, flicking back and forth because it's not like the Jazz game was uh, that compelling in the second half. And then also had some college basketball going on there. And I don't really know what to make of Milwaukee. You know, I just, I just I, I've been saying it now for over a year that uh, I don't really believe in them. I guess is the bottom line. And I know there's a lot of folks who don't believe in the Jazz, and, and they hear and I'm local, so. It's probably people in Milwaukee saying, well, uh, local people, I don't believe in the Jazz. So I get it. I get it. I understand. It's fair. Uh, until you've done it, uh, like Kawhi Leonard's done it, it's hard to uh, come up with some belief there, particularly if you, obviously, if you haven't done it. Steph Curry returns, 32 points. Had to figure he would go off when he came back. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Spurs in a free fall. Lose at home to the Sacramento Kings. Not good. James Harden, 38 points, 11 boards, 13 assists. Now, he came out over the weekend. Somebody asked him about the MVP. And he said, I'm the MVP. I should be the MVP. Are you supposed to say that? You got a problem with that? Saying stuff like that? Is that over the top? We've heard it from LeBron. We've heard it from Kyle Kuzma about LeBron. So, Yeah, but you can have other folks say it yeah, to you Harden's, about you. Yeah, Harden saying it. I, I don't know. That cocky sun devil, man. They're a dime a dozen, aren't they? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I think he's playing at an MVP level, and now with LeBron out, uh, to me, he's the leading candidate uh, for what he's doing because he's been carrying that team. Now, Kyrie Irving did return. Obviously, Durant is still out, uh, but still Harden has been the one constant, and I guess there's never been an MVP who's been traded. And I was listening to NBA radio and the other day, and they were talking about this MVP candidacy. thought that some people may hold it against them the way he sort of weaseled his way out of Houston, and then gets traded to a team now that has been identified as the favorite to win it all with their acquisitions of the veterans, Blake Griffin and Aldridge, and with LeBron out and Anthony Davis out, and maybe there's some uncertainty there. I think the Nets have some uncertainty too. Have to figure out what they're going on, what's going to happen there when they get their guys back. Uh, and if Durant comes back, I assume he's going to come back, and Irving will be there. So that'll certainly be something to watch. And then the Grizzlies, who host the Jazz tomorrow, of Alan Shunis, 30 and 15. Man, watching him for two games straight over the weekend. He's a load. He is one big dude. Uh, that's for sure. And then there was, oh, one other game I thought it would be funny. Uh, Fournier with the Celtics. We did an 0 for 10 in his debut. 33 minutes. <laughs> Didn't make a shot. Nice debut, son. <laughs> I saw some stat 
That's right. You DJ to fill in for me about uh, if you played 30 minutes and you took at least 10 shots, it's ranks right there with some of the worst, if not the worst, performance. Go, wow. I mean, that's a bad shooting night for that young fellow. He's a decent player. Uh, he's averaging close to 20 points with Orlando. Uh, so we'll see what goes on. And the Houston Rockets general manager, Stone, Raphael Stone, expressed confidence the franchise would not need to employ a wholesale tank strategy rebuild, starting the citing the haul of first-round picks that he got in the uh, James Harden trade. I would for sure 100% do that deal again. Again, you guys don't have the advantage of knowing everything I know, but literally no part of me regrets doing that deal. I've got, I have not second-guessed it for a moment. A lot of what I said about being in a position maybe to not have to be bad or rebuild. There's some other things we've done too, but it's primarily that the deal has allowed us to say, hey, we want to compete on a slightly quicker time frame. Okay. He goes on to say some more. Sure, I can buy that, but are, are you going to hit? How, to what level are you going to hit? Now, the pressure's on, and you're right. We, I assume he's talking to the media, that uh, we don't know all that you know, and we'll never know all that you know. Unless you flat out tell us everything, and that's not your job to tell us everything. You got these draft picks, but that's all they are right now. I mean, you look at the studly nature of Donovan Mitchell, and he is just a star of big-time magnitude, and all the teams that passed on him, and the Jazz plucked him. What did they go? What did he go, 12, something like that? And coming as a trade, obviously. But uh, better cash in on these draft picks. That's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college basketball. And the Cougars claw their way to the final four for the first time since 1984. 67 61. Houston is back on the biggest stage. The final four sees a Cougar return this weekend with a six point win over the Oregon State Beavers. Here comes the horn. It is over. The Baylor Bears are going to the Final Four. Their first trip to the national semifinals since 1950. Baylor 81, Arkansas 72. The Baylor Bears on to the Final Four. The Baylor Bears on to the Final Four. Their women's team lost on a controversial no foul call, uh, possibly. Lost to that. They can pinpoint to that reason. It's Kim Mulkey. And Kim Mulkey came out and said, stop with the testing in the Final Four. That was controversial with the COVID testing. Ooh, man. Democrats went nuts on that one, didn't they? At least that I saw. I actually turned on that women's game. was watching the end of it. It was UConn. They moved their premier program. Stanford's very good, too, for the women. And Arizona, the ladies making the Final Four. For the first time ever, they, they sucked for many years, and now that the coach there did a great job rebuilding that program for sure. But to the men's game, Houston and Baylor. Baylor making it for the first time since 1950. Houston since 1984, which was the Dave Rose team, was it not? Yeah, I think he was on that team with Elijah Wan and Clyde Drexler. I slam a jamma. Yeah, and that was uh, the one that, uh, so that 84 was the NC State, right? 83 you know, was NC State. NC State, so they made it the next year, They made too? it the next year, yes. Uh, okay, so good for them. Now, Kelvin Sampson is the coach of Houston. And a little story, since it is story time, as I said. Uh, there was a coach here, prominent coach in the state of Utah, who once called me and said, you're not going to believe this, PK. I said, what? He said, we had to attend some type of uh, seminar, some type of convention on the rules of uh, what's allowable on contact to recruits. So we're going back, uh, oh, well, it would have been in the early 2000s. I don't want to say the coach's name. But uh, he told me, and the speaker was Kelvin Sampson. He said, can you believe this? Kelvin Sampson was the speaker. Now, for you wondering why this coach called me to tell me that uh, Sampson was the coach. Well, Sampson, uh, less than two seasons into his tenure at Indiana, he was forced to resign. And I'm reading here from the USA Today just to make sure I looked it up. Forced to resign wide, amid widespread NCAA recruiting violations related to prohibited phone contact 
that placed the Hoosiers on three years probation. All right, and you're thinking, well, eh, those things happen. But these violations came as Sampson was already restricted from making any outgoing recruiting connections after an NCAA investigation ruled that Sampson and his staff at Oklahoma, where he had coached for 12 years, had knowingly broke recruiting rules by making hundreds of impermissible calls to the prospective student-athletes. And Samson was handed a five-year show-calls penalty that spelled the that was thought to spell the end of his college career. Nope. He was an assistant in the pros with the Bucks and the Rockets and then got the Houston job. If there is not a more corrupt institution than college basketball, I do not know what is. <laughs> the amount of dirtiness that goes on in college basketball. But all's forgotten. And I don't think the announcers, and they tend to love to praise people. That's not their job to to get their hands dirty, metaphorically speaking. I didn't watch the entire game, but I don't think that was brought up at all. And here he is with Houston in the Final Four. It's the first time since 1984. Tonight, we've got Gonzaga and SC at 515. And then the game after that is the UC Los Angeles Bruins. The 11 seed, right? The ones who knocked off the BYU Cougars facing Michigan. Now, Michigan's a one seed, are they not? And that should they are. take place uh, right before 8 o'clock. Both games will be on TBS. You can listen to the action here on 1280 AM. I'm looking forward to both of these games because, obviously, we've got three of the four are involved with BYU and Utah in their respective conferences. So we'll see if the... Pac-12 can get a team into the Final Four. Oregon State obviously lost to Houston. They got down big and did actually tie it up. They had a great comeback. But then uh, Houston hit a three after I got, think it got to like 55-55. And they were old to, oh, able to hold off the Beavers. And the fairy tale and the heartbreak for Wayne Tingle's daughters. I'm not sure they can overcome that, but they'll have to. Uh, and also, a couple of guys locally. NCAA transfer portal. Connor Harding of BYU and senior guard uh, Alfonso Plummer for Utah. Plummer says he intends to look at uh, NBA options. So Plummer, it's sort of like Tim Timmy Allen, right? Both these kids could go pro, but their names are in the transfer portal. Yeah, in his statement, he said, hey, I'm going to look into potential options with the NBA. I'm also put my name in the transfer portal in case I decide to play another year with that free year due to the NCAA freezing eligibility. So I guess Craig Smith could successfully recruit them back. Sure. Uh, but I don't know to what degree. Is that a long shot? Uh, what uh, is it not possible? They're looking to get out of here because... It doesn't look like they've got a lot of talent uh, coming back. And uh, if the one or two of the foreign kids should go home, as Jim Boylan told us a lot years ago, told DJ and I when he's in studio, you risk with uh, recruiting foreign kids of them going home. And Harding, uh, he, he started at the beginning of the year, but then his playing time sort of slipped, right? Yeah, it really had an up and down year. Yeah. So I started to see time kind of seeded over to Caleb Lohner and Gideon George. And then you had, of course, he's married to the the gal on BYU's team. Paisley Johnson huge, Harding. Huge. Who she had the huge game against? Against uh, it, Rutgers in the upset. Rutgers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's got eligibility because I would assume that uh, he wouldn't be going very far. So yeah. that would lead us to believe UVU. Yeah. Juddy told the media after they lost the NCAA tournament that all of his seniors, including Paisley Johnson Harding, were expected to come back next year. So, yeah, oh, she's I, a senior. Yeah, she's a senior, but she has that extra year to come back and play if she wants to. So, yeah, it makes you think, OK, well, if Connor's going to stay local with her, well, there's the, uh, possibility, an option yeah. just about five miles up the road. Yeah. And those programs have uh, sort of gone back and forth exchanging Correct. players. Yep. I don't blame him if he wants playing time. Uh, go to UVU. You can get some more playing time if that's a possibility. Why not? Have at it. There you go. That's your college basketball. I'm here, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. Is there any real mystery that you're picking, Trevor Lawrence? I'd have to say that's the direction we're going, and, and I'll leave that up to the owner when we make that decision official. But I, I'm certainly not stepping out of line, and that's certainly the direction we're headed. He checks all the boxes, you know, and the number one common 
quality of every great player, not just quarterback, is competitive maniac. He's 34 and two, won a national title as a true freshman, and um, is a winner. And I've seen him up close and in person compete. Yeah, that was Urban Meyer uh, yesterday, uh, Peter King. I was watching that NBC Sports. Chris Sims was going on about uh, Zach Wilson, and uh, they had a little interview with Urban Meyer there, and that's where he said that that's the direction that they're leaning with the number one pick. Drafts uh, just under a month away, the last couple of days of April. Uh, Looking forward to seeing what's going on there. It makes sense, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that anybody is a guaranteed lock, but it looks like he could be pretty good. He's pretty good in college. He's got the size. He's got mobility. But I can't guarantee it. I can't guarantee that he will be better than all these quarterbacks that are projected to go in the first round. And who knows? Somebody in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, all sorts of guys out there that blossom who aren't necessarily extremely high picks. And away you go there. Interesting to see in the coming weeks, or at least for the next month, because we got Zach Wilson going pretty doggone high himself. And then add the number of lawsuits to three more for against Houston Texans QB Deshaun Watson, one that accuses Watson of deleting Instagram messages and contacting the women, quote, who formerly provided him massages in an attempt to settle those cases. We're up to 19. I read I couldn't sleep, which is often the case. Around 4 o'clock this morning, I was reading a Sports Illustrated piece of some gal who has not filed anything, but she wanted to go public with her... Uh, experience not good but at the same time watson deserves his day in court as they say before we convict him it's not looking good in the court of public opinion particularly as it relates to a team who may want to trade for him i'm not sure that any team who would want to could actually take that risk and do it very talented quarterback Uh, legally he deserves the right that every citizen deserves as far as innocent until proven guilty so we'll leave it at that. But football-wise, uh, could you possibly take a risk? I'm not sure. There you go. That's some NFL on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Hashtag college football. How about this? Vanderbilt announcing a $300 million project to improve football and basketball facilities and a new Vandy United Fund to raise money for athletics. This is awesome because they're in the SEC. They're known as an academic school. Now, they're really good in baseball. Uh, they've won NCAA titles. They've got a kid, Al Leiter's son, is a pitcher for Jack Vanderbilt. Leiter. Yeah, and he is lighting it up uh, left and right now. His brother, uh, Al Leiter's brother, I think, played in the bigs. And Al Leiter's nephew, his brother's son, is in the bigs right now. I want to say with Cleveland as a pitcher. Uh, and Leiter, he's a Jersey guy. Down the shore, as they say, in the Tom's River area, same area as Frazier, Todd Frazier, longtime infielder in the bigs, mostly with Cincinnati. So to make this commitment financially, that's what it takes, I think. At the start, anyway, money talks. That's what I've been saying, what Mark Few's been saying about the West Coast Conference. These teams here with these basketball programs, they just don't put that type of resources in. Not that necessarily, I guess, that they don't have it. And I, I mean, I don't really care what they do with their money, but... If you want to be good, you've got to invest. So we'll see as we follow Vanderbilt in the coming. It's very difficult in the SEC because not only do you got to put in money, but you probably got to cheat to one level or another because the SEC has not exactly been the cleanest conference in the world. So Vanderbilt, ponying up the cash. We'll see if they are good right there. That's your college football. Let's move on, young yuck. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Slightly tweaked baseballs in play. Scoring and home runs are down in spring training. Through Sunday, spring training games are averaging 9.4 runs, the lowest scoring output in the spring training since at least 2015, and down more than one run from the 2019 spring training, which was at 10.5. And obviously, they didn't get the full spring training in last year. They got a couple of weeks before it was shut down. So, yeah, I think they have to have some legitimacy there. Not Corey Seager, though. Man, he's bashed like eight home runs. I was watching the freeway series last night a little bit between the Dodgers and Angels, and wow, the Dodgers just pounded Shohei Otani. 
He was out. I think he gave up like seven runs in less than two innings, was it? He got hammered as they played in Dodger Stadium. So baseball starts, uh, what's today, Tuesday? Baseball starts on Thursday, right? So we'll follow that. But maybe we can have some predictions here in the next couple of days. And if you go with the Dodgers, it's probably a safe pick. All right, what is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. I already told you about Mike Smith coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, coming up at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Our own Scotty G, who is the play-by-play for the Utah State Aggies. What's going to happen with their basketball program? Because they've had a very good program, and they don't want to slip back. Hartwell. Uh, had some media availability yesterday, made a comment that uh, we can get to when we have Scotty and the Hartwell being their AD. There's one thing that caught my ear for sure that I want to get to. All right, we've got some jazz stuff to get to. I want to get to uh, Craig Smith and his uh, press conference that they had on Zoom on Saturday. Stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Regardless of the score, we really want to keep getting better every single you know minute on the court. And regardless if it's you know end of the game, early in the game, we want to play defense and uh, and and we want to shoot the ball offensively and shoot the ball. And you know tonight I think was probably one of our best game in terms of cons- consistency defensively. I think you know every single minute on the court, everyone that came in was uh, was locked in defensively, so it was big. That's Rudy Gobert right there. This is the Hot Takes or Toast. It's question of the day brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac at Jerry Signer Cadillac. You can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive. The Jazz aren't test driving. They have bought in completely of what Quinn Snyder wants them to do. Rudy Gobert, obviously, speaking of the defensive effort, 75 points by that watered-down team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Brings to mind to me, now we know the Jazz uh, earlier in the season had a phenomenal run, 21 out of 22, is that what it was? And right now, what are they on, a six-game win streak? Is that what we got going on? One, two, three, four, five, six right now. That started, they got hammered. The good thing about the Jazz so far that I've been able to see is just when you think that, uh uh-oh, man, we got some issues here. There was a time in the beginning of the month, because we're coming to the end of the month here, right? Today's... uh, March 30th, the, 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 the month started. I mean, you can go back to at Miami, uh, February 26th. It's not, that's not that bad of a loss uh, against Miami. Uh, Miami's a halfway decent team. They we went got to the finals last year. Yeah, they've been up and down this season with in and out uh, guys in their lineup, obviously. Uh, so I can't really say that that was that bad. And uh, wasn't the it was the first night of a back to back. A lot of times the teams go and play Miami and Orlando consecutively. I know the Jazz have done that a number of times over the years, and they did it this time. And they did come back and beat a crappy Orlando team the next night. But then the two losses that uh, really got uh, under our skin as Jazz fans and Jazz followers: the uh, New Orleans loss. Mm. Not awful, but they're not a good – I don't think they're a great team. I think they're, to me, New Orleans is like the new Minnesota Timberwolves. We heard for years that Minnesota was going to be good, and I kept saying, well, i got to see it first. And that's where they certainly, certainly shove uh, New Orleans and Zion Williamson down our throat a number of times. Seems like they're on TV a lot. And the Philly loss, that burned. Uh, and then they had, uh, following Sunday, losing to Golden State and getting worked, and then the Washington loss. Uh, at the end of the week, they got uh, hammered on that one. So then you're thinking that Washington loss was March 18th, right? And that was just inexcusable. It just did not look good at all. Well, you're thinking, all right, they, at that point, they've wa- lost, what, four out of six? You're thinking, oh, man, here comes the slide. So what do they do? They turn around and they win 
six in a row. Granted, not against great teams, but I'm not going to go back and and say which of those 20 out of 21 or 21 out of 22, whatever it was, and say which teams were great and which teams weren't. Uh, they all add up. And so if you're 35 and 11, they all count the same. Uh, the question for me in the question of the day is that I ask, are the Jazz back to where they could win the number of games that they won at the rate they won before? And my hot take is yes. I would ask you, our fine listeners that we appreciate and enjoy so very much for so many years here, do you think the Jazz can win at the rate that they won before? Now, that's an extremely high rate, so... Losing only one game in 22, 23 games, that might be a little bit out of reach. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that one might be a little too high of a standard to live up to. But but two or three losses in that time? Why not? Sure. Are we too close to the situation to not be able to fully recognize that Donovan Mitchell is now a true superstar? Not a developing superstar, not a budding superstar, but a true superstar player. All right, PK. Are we... Go ahead. Got some stats to back you up on that, though. Yeah, I was going to cite them, but you can too. CBS Sports Head HQ, it's their online mm-hmm. streaming service, put this out. Saw I, that. In the past six games for Donovan Mitchell, 33.3 points per game, 6.3 assists per game, a 55.1% uh, percent field goal percentage, also 47.1% from three, five and one during that stretch for the Jazz. Now, don't forget his ability, degree of difficulty was 9.7. Locke said. 9.7. Now, I assume that's on a scale of 10.0. I would assume so. So you can only get three-tenths of a percentage point more to where it becomes virtually impossible. And yet he made it look so easy at a 9.7. Today, Tuesday, we'll have to ask Mr. Locke about that on Friday. You'll have to remember, remind me. How did he come up with it? Okay. Save that little clip there, Locke, so we can get How did he determine that was a 9.7? What's his criteria? I need to know. You can't just state that. Now, he's a stats guy, so once you put out a number, I'm assuming you have some stats to back it up. If he doesn't have a stat to back it up and he's just talking out of his you-know-what like I do, oh, my gosh, I'm going to come down so hard on him. I can't wait till Friday to be able to hammer him on that. I'm not going to let him get away with that. So he better have some stats to back up his 9.7, right? That's only logical, Yak. Am Am I speaking out of line here? No, I think you can... You can hammer him if you want. Oh, I better you better believe I will. And I mean, I got plenty of opportunity to speak out of line. I've made a living speaking out of line, so I intend to let him know. You just cannot come up with some outrageous stat like that, nine point seven. But the point is, Mitchell is elite. Now, okay, he hasn't done it to this level in the postseason. All right. We'll worry about that when we get there. And this team has not proven anything. They've proven jack in the postseason. I understand all that. But when you look at what they've got going forward, why can't they roll out a streak that is at least close to, probably not just one loss in 22 or 23 games. I understand that. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, but when you look at it, you know, and, and watch it, we say this, and they'll turn around and lose, and I'll look stupid. It won't be the first time tomorrow at Memphis. Uh, And I consider the Memphis game a tough game because they will have played them uh, three times since Friday. And trying to sweep in the NBA in a postseason series, how many times does that happen? Although if you're looking at a one and an eight, which if Memphis gets in, you know, it's probably what it's going to be in some form uh, of the format with uh, play play into the playoff thing that they got going on. So maybe that's what it ends up being when you see sweeps a lot of times, obviously, it is the one versus eight that's going to be the biggest discrepancy in the seeding that you could possibly have. So here, uh, they win this. I mean, then this they come home, uh, Chicago and Orlando. Oh, come on, Dallas. Uh, I'm looking forward to a week from tomorrow, the Phoenix game. That's an ESPN game down there in Phoenix, uh, local time. I think uh, our time is uh, eight o'clock of the Arizona this time of year. Yep, they're an they're hour behind. An hour behind us. Yep. Uh, my parents are gone now, but I used to have to explain that to them uh, about 20 times a year, exactly what the time difference is, because half the time in the standard time, 
we are on the same time. But when we go to daylight savings, they stay. So they don't change clocks in Arizona. The last thing they need in most of the state is another hour of daylight in the summer. It's already too hot. And I think it was in the fourth game of the season, fourth or fifth game, the sun's got them up here. But clearly, obviously, so much has changed since then. And the sun's second place, man. So that's going to be a huge game for them, for sure. And it's not like they got uh, cream puff games coming up all along. Uh, Portland should be decent. Uh, The revenge game in 13 days against your Washington Wizards. And then in two weeks, the big series with the Lakers. But who are the Lakers going to have? Probably not going to have both of the stars. Uh, And uh, we'll see what Drummond does. I'm really interested to see where Drummond ends up as far as his playing time and his production because he is a productive player. And speaking of some folks down there, they think that uh, Drummond can be what they're asking for him and with the two guys that they have and the two stars that they have, that he can be a difference maker. Now, he's not a difference maker on his own, but with what the uh, Lakers hope to have in the postseason, he can be a difference maker. He can provide a difference. And certainly he's providing a talent that they don't have. Uh, But... I don't know that they'll all be uh, at full strength when we get to the 17th and 19th of April. It's a Saturday and Monday, and they get to spend some time. It's a rare on Saturday afternoon game on the April 17th. So fatigue and all that stuff shouldn't be that fa- much of a factor. Although in the first game, now that I look at it, uh, wow, is this true? Yeah. yeah, I was looking at this too. <laughs> 1 o'clock on a Friday against Indiana, if I'm not mistaken, and then Saturday a 2.30 game against the Lakers. So they have a Friday day, a matinee, like a baseball matinee that's, on Friday, April 16th? That's what it says on the schedule. I have checked, And I have checked multiple schedules to see if there's a discrepancy there, but I have seen 1 o'clock is the tip time on that Friday. Wow. And I can't explain why, because there doesn't necessarily appear to be anything that would be stopping them from playing that night. But maybe it's just because the NBA is expecting that to be a marquee game on the Saturday that they're moving the Jazz game up to give them time to get to L.A. Or are the Clippers playing at Vivid uh, Friday night? Like they do at Staples, you know, they have the game earlier in the day and then the game later at night. Uh, nice double header or something. The Stars, are they playing? Well, the Star season is over. So. I know. They had the Orlando thing going on for those guys uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, wow, I just noticed that. I had no idea. Uh, that'll that'll be a talking point when we get there. Friday, April 16th, a 1 o'clock tip time at home right here in SLC yep. against the Indiana Pacers. Has that ever been done? Ever? On a non-holiday? I don't think so. Yeah, right. MLK Day, I know they played games. For years, uh, when I worked at Daily Breeze down in California, and my wife was a school teacher at Washington Prep right there in South Central, that uh, obviously they would be off on ML King Day, and the Lakers would always play like a 12:30 game, and we would go every year. Uh, we got, I got tickets through work, and we would go because uh, she was off and I, I was working nights, and so we would go to that game. So yeah, you're right. On ho- on weekends and and special occasions such as MLK Day, they would do that. But uh, let's uh, Friday, April 16th is I don't think that's some holiday unless I'm missing something. That's going to be a talking point. Uh, we'll get DJ's opinion on that when he comes back for sure. That, that's going to be real interesting. So they have two days back-to-back day games. This is, this is like baseball and football and college basketball, which they've got games all over the place and time of day. That's pretty cool uh, that they uh, set that up for that. So I'm excited for that. So I, I really believe that the Jazz had this opportunity to go on a, a little bit of a streak here. I don't see why not. I mean, they're 35-11. and 11. They're playing really well. I put the question up on Facebook. Uh, Alex, they look to be in full control with great focus right now. They have done far better than I could have ever expected. Life is great as a Jazz fan. I agree. Uh, Masa, honestly, competition hasn't been as good lately, but a win is a win. Okay. I'm not just going on the 39-point beatdown of uh, Cleveland. I'm going about uh, on the way they're playing. Mark Jones asked me after they have another 21 out of 22 games. 
Now, I don't think that they're going to go on that level of a streak because I didn't think they were going to go on that level of a streak when they played them, when they went on that streak. I thought that was uh, asking too much. Christopher McDonald doesn't want to hear it. One game at a time. He hashtags it with relax. Relax. Why can't you be relaxed and be excited? Tyson, at what point do we recognize Rudy as our MVP and being the MVP on the best team in the league should put him in MVP consideration? Now, I've been seeing a bunch of MVP talk and, and been listening to a lot of NBA radio with the satellite uh, that I got uh, releasing this car out of Tim Daly Southtown and this thing came with it. I'm going to renew it because I enjoy listening to uh, NBA TV and or uh, NBA TV, NBA radio, I should say. And, uh, boy, when they list the MVPs, you got to go a ways before you get to uh, Mitchell. Lillard still gets a lot of run, and I don't have any problem giving Lillard a lot of run, but I think Mitchell and Gobert have got to be there too. They've got, you've got to reward winning. Winning statistics uh, matter, and to me, the number one statistic is winning. And if you have the best record in the league, which right now they're on track to do. We'll see when we get there. But, boy, they should deserve serious consideration, both of those guys. Uh, either one, they should be high. Should they be top five? Boy, a Jazz team that's just out here in the middle of nowhere having teams, having two players. I mean, obviously, Letter Carrier got it a couple of times during his day, deservedly so, I believe. And I think they got to start Not throwing some recognition. Not according to some, but you're right. Uh, well, I, I didn't have any problem with it. I, I didn't have a problem with it either, but I'm a biased <laughs> Utah native. But there are some that still say that his second MVP award was the most illegitimate MVP award in NBA history. Really? Yep. Most illegitimate in NBA history. Hmm. I don't remember that, but... Uh... And I had a bias, not that I'm a big, hardcore life jazz fan, but just watching him bring it night after night was uh, off the charts, that's for sure. All right, coming up next, I want to get to something that Craig Smith said in his introductory press conference with the University of Utah with Mark Harlan on Saturday. Stay with us. We'll get to that next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. John Hartwell, Athletic Director at Utah State. Knowing that Mark and the University of Utah were talking to some other people, you know, I, I, I don't know that you ever rest easy immediately following the season, but I felt a little bit better about our opportunity to retain Craig. But, uh, you know, Craig and I had a great working relationship and a great friendship, which obviously that will carry on. But it's a little bit of a, of a gut punch, if you will. But, hey, you know, it's also an opportunity opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to continue to build on that success. And, you know, it does not take long in this world for many people to start reaching out to you, whether it's, you know, coaches directly, agents, you know, people who you know in the business. So um, great, great interest already. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. Thanks for joining us. DJ and PK, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk some uh, Utah State basketball. What are they going to do with their new coaching vacancy with Scott Gerard? Obviously, he is the radio play-by-play voice, and he does. Uh, he's our, our our big shot. You can hear Hanson Scotty every day from 10 to 2 right here on The Zone. Uh, but for now, something caught my ear. Craig Smith talking about, now he's the new coach at Utah, obviously. Uh, three for three in NCAA tournaments. And somebody asked him about playing in-state games. Since the uh, Utes have joined the Pac-12, I don't think they've played Utah State and Weaver. I could be wrong on that. But I know they haven't played them up there in their respective locations. It's not what Pac-12 teams do. And so somebody asked Craig Smith about that, playing in-state games. They play BYU. He will continue that series. But here's a response on playing in-state opponents. I've always said, and I've said this on the record over the last three years, I think it's really important. This state 
loves and is passionate about basketball. So regardless of your affiliation, you know, whether you love the Utes, you love the Cougars, you love the Aggies or the Wildcats of Weber State or what have you, I think it's important to play the state schools. Now, are we going to play every school every year? No, it's just not feasible. And quite frankly, that might not be the best situation for us to get to, to set ourselves up for success to get to the NCAA tournament and help our net ranking. All right, there you go. So he's excited about playing uh, the in-state schools. They're going to play them every year. He says no. Uh, quite frankly, it's not necessarily feasible and may not set them up for success in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I see. It depends. Now, he was also talking about playing a top-rate schedule with these, what do they call them, the, the quad one? Is that what the phrase yeah, is? Yeah, quad one wins. On the games? Yep. Okay, and I'm all for that. So if you have a real tough non-conference schedule and you don't necessarily want to schedule uh, Weber State or Southern Utah, I'm okay with that. But if you start bringing in Mississippi Valley State, I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear that. I'd much rather see Weber State or Southern Utah, Utah Valley. Come on, man. Forget that. So I got to see I agree I'm okay with what he says in principle but I got to see the non-conference schedule because I just went back and everybody knows I was working for the Watchdog at that time in the 90s and I was covering University of Utah basketball for that phenomenal run that the excellent coach Rick Majerus had and as I look at I can remember being in Ogden I can remember being in Logan I mean, obviously, I was not down at SUU. But in 1997, 98, let's see, how far did they go? Well, they went to the national final game before they lost to the dreaded Kentucky, right? Second game of the season, they played at, speaking of the Utes, they played at Weber State. Third game of the season, they played Southern Utah. Eighth game of the season, they hosted Utah State. And of course, in those days, they were playing BYU in their non or in their conference schedule, home and away every year. So you had that going on. And so playing Utah State, playing Weber State, playing Southern Utah did not impact or hamper their ability to not only get to the NCAA tournament but have success in the NCAA tournament. And that is the year they went 5-1 and one in the NCAA tournament. We all remember that. That was a grand time being down in San Antonio. That was as fun as any assignment that I've ever had over the 23 years that I worked for uh, daily newspapers. And that's including covering MJ's first uh, NBA title with the Chicago Bulls. I think it was in 1991 when I was working in, with the Daily Breeze. I was in the locker room after they won it all, being sprayed with champagne and all that stuff. So uh, let's see what the schedule is before uh, I say, wait a second, because I think you can have success. Pac-12 supposed to be all that this year, right? All these teams getting in there. Uh, in the Pac-12 and BYU and a halfway decent non-conference schedule, that ought to be enough because in what was not considered a great year, they took five teams this year. Well, it turns out they've had a phenomenal run. They still have two teams of it vying for the Final Four tonight. Both L.A. schools will be playing tonight starting at 515. You can hear the games right here on the Zone Sports Network, 1280. Listen to it if you're in your car or wherever you might be. You can hear for yourself. Are they going to do that? And that's with Arizona not being eligible. Them cheaters down there in Tucson, they impose that harsh penalty of not uh, having postseason play this year, self-imposed. So uh, you can get to the answer. You don't even need to win the conference. You don't even need to finish second in the conference to get to the tournament. So before he says that, uh, that it basically could impede success, I want to see what the, what the schedule is. And if I see a bunch of dogs, Azusa Pacific, uh, whatnot. Evergreen I'm gonna, State. Then I'm going to call bull. Now, if it's a big-time schedule, uh, I don't see any reason why you can't fit in Southern Utah, Weber State, or Utah State. You can add Dixie uh, State to that list now, too. They went and won all three of those games. 
but I've been up there when the Utes lost to uh, Utah State. Uh, and, boy, that would certainly be uh, added a little luster when the former coach is taking his team up there. My guess is that they'll have to be in the Huntsman Center or some version of uh, neutral floor. So I put that question on uh, Facebook. We want to see these traditional in-state rivals because college basketball really doesn't take a doesn't get a big run in December, and that's an opportunity to get some buzz. Uh, some of the responses, uh, isn't that what the Beehive Classic is each year? Yeah. Uh, well, they don't do that anymore. Uh, playing in-state schools is a great tradition. I think they should all play each other. That comes from Brian. I think, uh, Michael, I think they should do a rotation so that they play everybody equally and it's consistent. I think that way for football as well. Well, f- football's an entirely different animal. You only got three of those games. I was going to say, you have much more strict yeah. scheduling guidelines with football than you do hoops. And it looks like the Utes are intent every year of playing a big sky team. So now you're down to two. And uh, if you play BYU occasionally, I, and I. I think that Utah talks a big game about being big time in football, and they are, but I don't understand why they have to take BYU off the schedule if they play Florida, SC, and Stanford. And you like to think you're a rival of SC. Well, SC plays Stanford and Notre Dame every year, and then they play BYU. Uh, so if SC can do it, why can't you do it? Uh, doesn't matter to me personally, but – don't tell me that you're a big rival with SC, because uh, if you are, do what they do. They manage to do it. I think you can get away with that. Parker, meh. Main rivals, yes. Not every state school. Okay, I agree with that. I don't think they should play every state school. But I would like to see them play Utah State more. And occasionally Weber, Nick Newman. Heck, heck yes. BYU, Utah, Utah State, and Weber State should play each other every year at home campus arenas all right what do you think respond you can hit me up on twitter pk kinahan or yak what's your uh, twitter at jacob c hatch jacob c hatch man you guys love the middle initial i gotta give you credit man i didn't ever realize the middle I couldn't initial was get my preferred handle somebody else is sitting on it so i had to go with my middle initial stud muffin yak is already taken yes it was <laughs> All right, Scotty G, we're going to find out what's happening with the coaching search with Utah State. Stay with us right here, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.